welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Ben Teefy for his message. As a church, we know that we're a church in a way out of the way out back place in the middle of everywhere, okay? But we believe that we are called to have a national and a global footprint as a church. We believe that we're called to have a heart down the road and around the world. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so um, I just want to thank you because it takes a lot of sacrifice for DLC to release us, especially when I get to go off somewhere like India or something like that. It takes sacrifice on the part of our church to release us um, and because uh, sometimes it means, you know, I'm not available to take your call or I'm not available to respond to your email if I'm off there doing something else. Um, and I really appreciate the support and the love of people in Desert Life Church that understand that we're part of a big world, aren't we? We're part of a big world. And we're not a selfish, introverted community that only cares about ourselves, but we're an outwardly looking community. We do care about each other, but we care about the whole world as well. And we know that we've got to share around the gifts that God has given us, the influence and the resources that God has given us. Who could say amen? So thank you. Keep us in your prayers. When we see people like James and Jacob heading off, we're not losing them. We are ex- expanding our influence somewhere and they're on a mission that we are called by God to do who could say amen to that so uh, you know don't think of it as oh why are they going off somewhere I need them here no you don't need them here what you need to do is grow up and be a mature person of God and do what Jesus said which is have a heart for the ends of the earth who could say amen Awesome. Well, we're doing a series as a church, and we are going to continue with Colossians, How to Live Full. And last week, we began to talk about this passage that is up on the screen. We're going to read it together. I think we should read it with our voices aloud together, because there's something special about congregational Bible reading, and we almost never do it enough. So come on, why don't we read this paragraph here? If uh, the writing's too small because your multifocals aren't able to catch it, you're welcome to move to the front row. That's okay. We do whatever it takes to get you up the front. So uh, let's read together, shall we? Colossians chapter 1 from verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually, stop, we continually, good thought, isn't it? Okay, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Pause button. See what he says? We pray God would fill you so that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. See that? This is not about a slap across the face, telling you to try harder, telling you to be better, come to church and you'll get a beating because you're not a good enough Christian. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I know the only way for you to live a life that is pleasing to God and worthy of him is if he fills you with something that enables you to do that. And that is everything about the Christian life. Everything about the Christian life is not performance, it is response. God fills me and then the way God fills me changes the way I live my life. It's not I change the way I live my life and then God fills me. Understand? Paul says, I'm praying that you would get the storehouse, the treasure, the fuel tank of heaven filling you. Because if that happens, then you'll be able to live a life that pleases God. Very important because the rest of the world says change and then be accepted by God. But the gospel says be accepted by God, which will change you. It's such an important thing, isn't it, for us to understand our posture to people together as a church. We're not all frowny and judgy about their life. We're we're compassionate and loving because we want them to encounter the transforming grace of God. Because the only way a human being can live a life pleasing to God is if they are filled with His Spirit. And when they are filled with His Spirit, they will bear fruit. Isn't that true? So we want to be filled up by God. 
Because if we're not filled up by God, we cannot live a life that pleases God. Oh, but Pastor Ben, I'm trying really hard. I'm putting in all the effort. I'm following all the rules. But yet if you're not filled up, you're doing it in your own strength. And I don't know about you, but my own strength is a finite collection. How about you? My own goodness is a limited and finite connection. How about you? We need to be filled up by God. And Paul says, I'm praying continually. He doesn't pray, I pray you'd sort out your problems. I pray you'd sort out your attitude. No, I pray you'd be filled with what God wants to fill you with. Because then you live a life pleasing to God. Okay, let's keep reading. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. To please him in every way. Okay, let's pick it up. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. Pause button. Who just think that's awesome, hey? Who's praying for more endurance? Who's praying for more patience? Wish God would hurry up and give me patience. Who's praying? Okay, we're going to keep going. Endurance and patience. Verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen and amen. What a great passage from Pastor Paul. So Paul has basically in this passage told us you need to be filled with two things that if you're filled with them then you'll be able to have your life look like five things. We talked about it last week. Here's the two things that we need. Oh, my little thing's not working. That's a real pain. Do you think you could go to the next slide, Mr. Computer Man? So the first thing you need to do is you need to know what God is up to, then you know what you should get up to. Paul says this, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will. Why do you need that? Because when you know what God is up to and you can see what God's doing, you understand the way God thinks, you understand the strategies and the plans that God has, then it equips you to live your life a different way. When you know what God's up to, then you know what you are up to. He says you can have filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and understanding. And wisdom, as we talked about last week, is the right application of knowledge. Not just that you know more, but that you know what to do with what you know. Actually, that's more important. In, in, in our world, people talk about whether you're smart or whether you're dumb. The Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible says, are you wise or are you foolish? And wisdom is not about smart. It's not about your IQ. It's not about your marks in school or university. Wisdom is about the correct application of vital life knowledge. We know a lot of things. We live in the information age. The question is, do you apply what you know? And I made the joke last week about people saying, Pastor Ben, I wish you'd just do some deeper teachings. And I'm thinking, I wish you'd just apply some of the simple teachings of the Christian life. But we want wisdom, Paul says. We'll go back, yeah. Uh, We want wisdom. And then we don't just want wisdom, but we want understanding. Paul says, I pray to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then all wisdom and understanding. Understanding means this, the ability to join things together. The ability to put things together, to join the dots. And Paul says, you need to be filled because those qualities, the knowledge of God's will, wisdom and understanding, this is what Paul says. Paul says, they actually belong to the Holy Spirit. They are qualities that belong to God. Or wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Actually, in the Greek it says, wisdom and understanding that belong to the Spirit. So in other words, Paul's really saying, I'm praying for you to be filled with the Spirit. Because if you're filled with the Spirit, then everything that belongs to the Spirit will now belong to you. 
In Galatians, Paul talks about that wonderful quality of life that comes when God's spirit comes into us of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. All good things. Oh, I should try harder to do all that. No, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the absence of those things in your life is, doesn't, it's not a sign for you to work harder. It's a sign that you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The absence of those things in your life is not a sign for you to try harder. It's a sign for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not the fruit of efforts. They are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm kinder. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm more patient. I'm more loving. I'm more good. I'm more faithful. I'm more gentle. I have self-control. See, the Holy Spirit gives all those things to people, which means the gospel transforms us from people trying really, really hard to be really, really good to people who are open-hearted saying, God, breathe your spirit into my life, which is the one thing that transforms a human life. Isn't that true? And that's what we need. So if you do those two things and your life will look like these five things, let's go to the next slide, if we may. He says, then he gives you a list. First of all, I want you to be bearing fruit in every good work. I want you to walk in a, in a manner pleasing to God, worthy of him. And then there's the five. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, experiencing his amazing power for all endurance and patience and joyfully praising God from your heart. And we're going to have a little look at that list of five things today. But I want to underscore this. Please don't walk away here going, okay, five things I've got to try harder to really do because that's not what Paul said. Paul said, I'm praying that you would be filled with the Spirit, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and that you would be filled with the wisdom and understanding that belong to the Spirit. I'm praying the Spirit would fill you so His things would become a reality in your life. And if that happens... You will walk in a manner worthy of God and you will please him in every way. And then these five things will grow out of your life. So just have a look at these five with me for a second. Bearing fruit in every good work. Are you doing good work? Good works? Is there good works that are surrounding your life? Some of us, yes. Some of us, no. Here's the more important question. This question is more important than whether you're doing any works. Here it is. Are you doing fruitful works? Jesus didn't just say, I've called you to try hard. He said, I have called you that you may bear fruit. I have appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. In one of the other passages, he says, I have appointed you that you would bear much fruit. We're not just called to faithfulness, friends. We are called to faithfulness. But we are also called to fruitfulness. And the mark of the Spirit-filled life is not just a lot of intense labor trying to be a good person, doing good things. It is doing good things that are fruitful things to do. When we do it, There's a quality that's different in a spirit-filled life because when I do something, it is fruitful, that something that I do, rather than fruitless. Make sense? So how are you going with your fruit? Here's the second one. Are you growing in your knowing? Growing in the knowledge of God, he says. Are you growing in the way that you know God? Well, the presence of God's spirit in your life means you're growing in the way you know God. That means I should know God better today than I did yesterday. I should be more close to Jesus than I was the day before. If you're a Christian, you can look back and go, you know, five years ago I used to be so on fire for God, then five years ago you stopped being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not beating you up, I'm just going to give you the plain Uncle Ben facts today that the Word of God says to us, okay? Because I'll tell you something, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they demand far less counselling, far less one-on-one attention, far less let's let's sticky tape their lives back together because of their problems. It really is true. The Holy Spirit is the wellspring and the source of the Christian life. 
I was sitting recently with a bunch of pastors from around Alice Springs. They're from many, many different churches. And three of those pastors, I'm not going to name them, three of those pastors began to say, well, you know, I, I think that, that in this town the pastors should support each other more because it's really hard pastoring my church and I feel discouraged and, you know, things are, things are difficult. And, and so I feel like all you other pastors aren't encouraging me enough. And it sounds okay on the, on the surface, but I'm thinking about this and saying, oh, I don't think that. See, I'm called to minister. I'm called to be a leader and I'm called to be fruitful in my good works in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's another human being's job to call me and check if I'm okay. It's actually my job to go and get full of the Holy Spirit to make sure that I'm okay. It's my job to pick up the phone and call others and encourage them. It's my job to lead other people. See, I'm not here in, in ministry saying, I want my feet washed by other people. I'm in ministry because I'm called to be a foot washer. Actually, if you don't want to be a foot washer, never have aspirations to ministry because it's a horrible job a lot of the time. And that's why you don't do it in your own strength. You do it in the strength and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So the energy source for ministry is not your own enthusiasm, your own ambition or your own ego. The energy source for ministry is the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ben, I'm burning out in ministry. Well, you're not ministering in the right spirit. I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not judging you. But if you've got the Holy Spirit on fire in your life, you're burning up. You're not burning out. So what if I am burning out? Then it's time to take a step back and make sure that you're just doing the right things around your life. You're giving out of an empty cup, it's a finite supply. Give out of an overflowing cup, you minister out of the overflow. That's why we have grave responsibilities. You would be amazed at the conversations I have in any week. You'd be amazed at the things I find out just before I get up to preach. You'd be amazed before you come and see me in the office about the terrible, heartbreaking, earth-shattering, horrible situations I'm wading through on a one-on-one basis with people in this community. But when you come and see me, I don't cry. I don't burst into tears. When you come and see me, I'm not all down in the dumps. Can you just give me a quick free hug and a bonox and a back rub so that I have, have the ability to be a pastor again? You know why? Because I have to face all that. I'm not telling you I'm brilliant. I'm telling you how wonderful the power of the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit is the fuel tank of the Christian life. And my job is not to get you to make me feel better. My job is not to get you to pep up my tires. My job is not to get you to encourage. You don't have to call me and make sure I'm going to be coming to church. You know what? Since I became a Christian, that's never had to happen. No one's ever had to call me and say, you're coming to church. You know, Danielle and I, we've been, we, we were part of the church in, in Brisbane for about the first five years. We never even spoke to the pastor. He didn't even know our names. I'm leaving that church. The pastor doesn't know my name. I wasn't there so the pastor would know my name. I was there because I needed the gospel. I need to celebrate in worship with the people of God. It's not about me getting something when I come to church. It's about me giving something. It's about me giving an encouraging word to someone in the coffee time afterwards. It's about me putting something into the church vision financially. It's about me lifting my hands in worship and saying, I come to bring a sacrifice of praise to you, Jesus. And I can't tell you why it happened to me that I just got this idea that now that I'm a Christian, I'm just going to be like, I don't know, filled with God's spirit and live this type of life. I can't tell you where I got that idea. But see, you don't need to know where you get the idea from. You just need to get the Holy Spirit, which will give you all the ideas. Does that make sense? Now, listen, too many of us are living an atheistic, secular Christian life, which means we're doing a life where it's Christian on the outside, but we're empty on the inside. It's called functional atheism. I live with the forms of Christianity, but deep down, if I'm honest with myself, I don't need God for what I do in life. When was the last time you had to tap tap into and draw on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? 
And for some of us, I'm not criticizing you, but I'm just telling you, there's a different plane of existence for us to live at. There's a different fruitfulness for us to attain to in life. There's a different effectiveness for us to have. And it's not about our effort. It is about our reception of the Holy Spirit that suddenly gives you more energy for things you would never know you had energy for before. And so when a pastor sits around and says, oh, you know, people aren't encouraging me. I point them back to David who encouraged himself in the Lord power of the holy spirit presence of the holy spirit you know as as ministers as leaders in this church many of you are leaders in our church we all carry big responsibilities but we should carry them in the grace of god who could say amen to that amen there's just no room in a church like ours for leaders oh praise god i'm suffering for jesus oh looking after these recalcitrant desert life church people oh man they never listen to their pastor oh they're all got problems we're ministering in the grace of god we're ministering the grace of God. So listen, some of us today, and I'm, and I'm being a bit naughty and a bit confrontational, what I'm saying, but listen, some of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's not about my job to pray for you today. That's about what you do Monday. That's about what you do Monday to Friday and Saturday. That's about the, the, the way you live your life. See, it used to be when I, when I was a, a brand new Christian, you'd hear people talk like church is the fuel station, the filling station where you come and get filled up and then you go out and then the rest of the week you kind of get a bit emptier, get a bit emptier and you just make it to Sunday and you come back to get full again. Listen, that's a defeatist way to live. A defeatist way to live. I'll tell you something, most days I don't get out of bed till I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And the days I do get out of bed without being full of the Holy Spirit, ask the three ladies on the front row what terrible days they are. Hey, Molly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They come in, they wake me up early in the morning, Lazarus, come out. They even quote, but Lord, he stinketh, doesn't matter. Unwrap the clothes, come out. Full of life, resurrection power, that's what our life is. Well, I want to have a look at some of these ones, but can we go to the next slide, please? First of all, this, Paul says, we want this so you can live effectively. Listen to how he terms effectiveness. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Let's go to the next slide. I want you to have a look at this. To live. To live. To live your life. In the Greek language, where he says live your life, he doesn't say live your life. He says walk around, walk around. And all the way through Paul's writings in the New Testament, the, the, the metaphor for living life is walking. And that's why we call it our Christian walk. Or you might say, I'm just on a bit of a journey. What that means is you're doing life. You're having a life experience. You are living your life. But in the New Testament, the idea of living your life is to walk around. Peripatesis, to walk around. When, you get a, when you're one of those people having a baby, which we were, and your wife has to take your shopping and look at 8,000 million prams. It's called a perambulator. You put the baby in it and you walk around. It comes from the same word, perambulate, to peripatesis, to walk around. And Paul says, this is what life is. It's just a walk. And then listen to what he says. I pray that you would be filled with all this stuff, filled with the Spirit and all the stuff the Spirit gives, so that you may walk a walk live a life walk around in a way that praises that pleases god okay just think about this you're not called to fly around you're not called to like levitate around you don't have to bounce around life is in the new testament it's not like this it's like neil armstrong on the moon so i'm wearing my athletic gear today this is the christian life Okay. I pray it's a step by step guys but I'm not leaping forward you don't have to leap forward just take a step 
I'm not growing. Just get your next step. The most important step for you to take in your Christian life is your next step. Everybody say next step. Take your next step. But, but I look at other people and they're so far ahead of me. Put your head down. Run your own race. Take your next step. Well, well, but but three years ago, I took some amazing steps back. That step back there was brilliant. That step was agile. There was an obstacle in my way, and I stepped over it like I was doing the... Just take your next step. Pat yourself on the shoulder. Say, take your next step. Turn to the person next to you and say, he sounds like he's being mean today, but I don't think he's mean. I think he's just enthusiastic. Just say, just say that's, that's, what, that's true. Take your next step. Okay, we're going to have a look at the next slide. And then he says this, I pray that your steps, that the way that you would live your life would be worthy of the Lord, that you would walk around, that your steps would be worthy of the Lord. And I want you to think about this because this is not about you living up to something. This is not about you performing and it's not about you earning God's love. I've got to live in a way worthy of God or God won't find me worthy of his love. No, no, this is what it means. To live a life worthy means this, to bear the same weight as and it's the, it's the word axios in the Greek language, axios. It's where we get our word axis from. And where we get the word axis from is these things called scales that you see up on the screen before you. And in the middle of the scales is a pivot point. And the pivot point is an axis. And if on each side of the scales you put something of equal weight, then the weight of the scales will pivot exactly on the axis. And at that point, when it's pivoting, when it's balanced, when it's in harmony, when it's the same weight... You are said to be in axios. You are in axios. Now listen to what Paul says. Well, I pray that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you would live a life where your life carries the same weight as Jesus Christ. A life worthy of the Lord. A life of equal weight to Jesus. Oh, I've got to follow all the rules and make sure I do the right things. No, you don't. You've got to get filled by the Holy Spirit because what made Jesus effective was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Read the Gospel of Luke. Luke goes to great pains to show you that Jesus' ministry didn't start until he came up out of the baptism waters and the Spirit of God hovered upon him in the form of a dove. And then he writes volume 2, the book of Acts, and he says the church didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit hovered upon them in the form of fire. We shouldn't go until we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when we've got the power of the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't stay. But it's not about earning. How do I live an effective life? Jesus had a wonderful life, a life of of substance, a life of fruit, a life of influence. Well, you can have all that. Why? Because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can have a life that is of equal weight to God. Paul says, I'm praying for you, Colossians, in the temptations, the heresies, the, 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 the syncretism that you're facing, the Roman pressure. I'm praying that you would be filled with everything that belongs to the Holy Spirit because then you'll be able to take step by step. Your steps, your walk will bear the same weight as Jesus Christ. Christ. Come on, don't you know our world is just waiting? It's waiting for people who will say, I'm going to live the Jesus type of life. I'm going to live a life that's weighty like Jesus was. I don't want Jesus outweighing me. I don't want to be a spiritual lightweight, but I can't perform. I can only be filled by God's Spirit. And that's about what you hunger and thirst for, my friend. But if you do it, you can live a life of equal weight to Jesus. Actually, Jesus tipped the balance in your favor. He said, if you come after me and you believe in me, even greater things than I do can you do. Equal weight? Imagine outweighing. Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's our calling as a church. Come on. We, we, we want to live a weighty life. We want, you know, my children tease me about the weighty life I'm beginning to live, but it's a different thing. It's not waistline. It's, it's spirit line. Let's have a look at the next slide. 
And then he says, a life worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work. Not just doing something, but doing it fruitfully. And here's the phrase, bringing forth fruit. That means that what your life is, is a fruitful life. That you are a fruit producer, not just a job doer, not just a task completer. I, I'm a fruit maker. I, this is the thing that happens when God's spirit hovers over your life. It's an effective life. First of all, it's a life, a weighty life like Jesus. Secondly, it's a fruitful life. You're bearing fruit in what you do. Ministry should not be miserable, hard, soul-destroying labor. And sometimes ministry situations are hard and soul-destroying, but not when the power of the Holy Spirit is your animating life source. The person of the Spirit is walking with you. The person of the Spirit is building you up in your holy faith as you pray with the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at the next slide. He says, growing in the knowledge of God. It's a double meaning, this sentence, because it's, it's, it's growing in the knowledge of God. That means I'm growing in the way I know God. But it's also growing in the knowledge from God, meaning the more I grow in the way I know God, the more about God that I know. So it's knowledge of God. On the one hand, he's the subject matter, but it's the knowledge from God, meaning he is also the source. Everything you need to know about God cannot mostly be learned from a textbook, but from relationship. We need theology, we need the word, it describes who God is. But you could have all that knowledge here, and if it's not here, it's absolutely fruitless in your life, isn't it? The power of the Holy Spirit takes it from what I know to what this knows. Let's have a look at the next slide. He says, I pray that you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And it's amazing. In, in the Colossian world, in the Ephesian world, they had this collection of words called power words. And the words were power words. And what they do superstitiously, they engrave them on jewelry, they engrave them on statues, they engrave them on the door of their house, these power words. And they were thought to be magic words, incantations, secret mantras. And if you said them, then all the darkness and all the evil in the surrounding atmosphere would be scared and run away. And three of the words, two of the words, are dunamis, Power, where we get dynamite, explosion, dynamic, explosive energy. Power in the New Testament, dunamis power. Paul says, this is what he says. He says, he uses the word dunamis twice. I pray you would be empowered with all the power. I pray you would be endunamite with all the dunamis. I pray that God's power would make you powerful and and it's like he doubles up on these two powerful words and if you're a Colossian or an Ephesian sitting there reading that book you're like bam it's like a lightning bolt in the atmosphere Paul just used a power word but we don't go to the witch doctor and get it on an amulet we don't we don't go to a go to a temple and have it engraved on a brick that we're put in our house as something superstition no it comes from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that is what gives us the power of God when we take God's word which is his will which is his revelation and we put it into ourselves like fuel but then the Holy Spirit comes and says now you need the ignition on you've got the fuel but you need the fire and we turn on our ignition and then suddenly what I know about God drops six inches from my head to my heart and I can live a life on fire for Jesus Charles Spurgeon was asked once why do so many people come and hear you preach and he said man if you're on fire for Jesus some people will just come and watch you burn When was the last time that you set yourself a work group to say, I am going to live full of the Holy Spirit? Full. Paul says, I pray you would be filled. Pray be filled with all power. Then he says, in case you didn't get the power word, there's, there's, there's five power words in the, new, in the, in the uh, worldview of the New Testament. And here's three of them. That you would be strengthened with all power. That's dunamis, dunamis. 
with all might. That's the word, kratos. Everybody say kratos. Say it like with power, kratos. It's an onomatopoetic word. What that means is it kind of means what it sounds. Ever cracked a whip? Crack. Ever squished an apple? Squish. The juices come out. Those are called onomatopoetic words. Their meaning is found in the way they sound. This word for might, powerful might, that comes in the New Testament. Kratos. I pray you would be filled with all power. Empowered with all power. And in case you missed the point, and might. And then he says, here's another power word. According to his glory. Just shut your eyes and think of glory. Remember the Old Testament stories? The glory of God. Weighty. Heaviness. Cardboard. The fire of God. The smoke of God. The heaviness of God. But Paul doesn't say, well, I pray that you'd be shiny and I pray that smoke would come out of your ears. He says, I just pray that you would be empowered, that you would be strengthened with all might according to the might of his glory. It's something that happens in you. And then look what Paul says. Let's go to the next slide. For all endurance... When you fill the Holy Spirit, something happens in your life. Look at it. Endurance means this, to bear up under. The Greek word literally means holding up a burden. Never had to hold something above your head? Yesterday when we were painting, who, who, needs, who needs prayer for healing after yesterday's labor that we did? I think all of us do. Everyone was like walking into church today. Praise God, been suffering for Jesus. Endurance means this. When we were painting yesterday, I was painting the roof and my hands are above my head like this. I was thinking about a science article I read recently of the Ford Motor Company that bought their workers um, $6,500 exoskeletons. And the exoskeleton is like a little mini Iron Man suit. You put it over your torso and your arms. And what it does is it doesn't take over. You don't turn into a robot. It just, it just goes over your normal clothing. And then when you're working above your head, it provides some extra lift to your arms. When you're pulling it, just provides some extra lift. It provides only 20% extra 20% extra. So it doesn't take them over. They're not going to go and throw a car like Iron Man in the movies. But they've just got the normal functions of their life are enhanced with something they couldn't do before. And they said the Ford Motor Company invested in 65 of these for their plant workers that work on the bottom of cars. Because they found that in trialing these exoskeletons, a person was able to hold their hands and the weight of it and lift and work above their head longer using these exoskeletons. In fact, the effectiveness of it was made them an 83% more productive employee. How about that? But they didn't do it for productivity. That was a byproduct. They discovered it accidentally. And here's how they discovered it. They thought too many people are getting hurt because they're getting repetitive stress disorder or they're tearing muscles and they're breaking themselves and they're getting injured and we want to do and and some crazy scientist said well make a make an iron man suit make an exoskeleton that enhances what they do and so ford tried it in a couple of their factories and what they found is this that their incidences of workplace harm went down by 80 percent good business decision huh costing them millions of dollars a year in work workplace accidents and health and safety and they found We can give you a suit that will come around your life and enhance it. And you'll be able to do stuff you couldn't do before. You're not getting possessed. It's not taking you over so you've got no ability to control your limbs. It just enhances what you do. So you're doing it. You're doing something, but it's strengthening you and it's empowering you. Clothed with an exoskeleton. Well, the Bible says we should be clothed in the power of the Spirit. And then the things we do will be enhanced and will be more productive and, and will be more helpful. And actually, this is what Paul's saying. He says, I pray that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you are, you'll have endurance. And endurance means to hold up a burden. And it means this, like, like somebody holding a heavy weight above their head, maybe a team of people. 
Or in military terms in the first century, it meant this. Let's say we conquered a city. And we were the victors. We were in that city now. We are in control. And then the enemy decides, let's attack them again and try to take that city away. When that army successfully defended that city, it was called endurance. They held up under a burden. They survived another attack. They fought off the enemy again. See, listen, some of us, we're carrying heavy burdens in life. And and, and some of us feel, God, I feel like I'm at the end of my tether. I feel like I'm at the end of my strength to keep going. I can't keep holding. It's on top of me. It's squeezing down on top of me, God. Some of us feel like, you know, I've won victories, but I feel like I'm losing ground. I'm getting pushed back against the enemy. I'm going back to the way I used to be. That thing that it stopped bothering me for a while, but now it's a problem to me again. I, I, I once won this ground, but now I've stepped back. I, I, I'm, I'm shy and I really started growing in my authority and my confidence, but now I'm getting squeezed back again. That, 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 that thought process, that thought that I was so delivered from and the gospel was such good news to me and I lived in the high of it, but now I've come under that oppression of that thought again and that temptation of that pathway is just it's starting to draw me. See, I've given away ground. I can't keep holding on. Yes, you can. But you can't keep holding on without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll walk with God in a way that pleases Him. You walk around, you're just your next steps. You'll be filled with the Spirit. You'll be strengthened with His mighty power. The glory of God will be your strength. Then you will be able to hold up your burden. Then you will be able to keep holding off the enemy. Let's have a look at the next slide. Then he says this one, patience. (sighs) Let's just get our patience talk over over and done with, okay? Who's getting impatient that I'm not finished preaching yet? Patience is this, a Greek word, macrothumia, it's a brilliant word. Long passioned. Macro, long, thumia, your fiery passions in life. Patience, long, we say this, long tempered. If I lose my temper, oh man, he's really short tempered. And patience is the opposite of being short tempered. It means my fuse takes a long, long time to burn. Well, I don't know about you, but in our natural state, my fuse, I I don't even know if I have a fuse. I think I'm a little bit more like a landmine. Step on my toe, How about you? How's your passion? I'm on like a motion detector, I think. And Paul says when the Spirit comes into our lives, our fuse just becomes a whole lot longer. Some of us, you know, we've just been getting crunchy and dry in life and, 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 and we've, been, we've been just getting a little bit tense and everything's triggering us, everything's setting us off. Do you know, look, you're not a bad person. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's all. You need more of God's breath in you. This is what the Spirit is, okay? Genesis 1. God fashions Adam out of the earth of the ground and makes him a man. Adam makes him out of Adama, makes him out of the mud. But he's just mud. He's dust. He's dirt. But then God breathes his breath. And in both the Hebrew and the Greek, the Old Testament and the New Testament, ancient languages, the word for spirit and the word for breath are the same word. God's breath is his Holy Spirit. It's not just a force, he is a person but it is God's breath. When I'm filled with the Spirit, it's God breathing into my life. You could say this, if you don't like the words Holy Spirit, you could say Holy Breath. The Spirit of God is the breath of God. So what we're saying is the only way to live the Christian life is to be empowered. Let God breathe into you. Adam came alive and became a living being when he received mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from the creator of the universe. Although it wasn't resuscitation, I think it was just suscitation because he hadn't, hadn't been alive before. He went from being dust to divine. 
divinely made in God's image, reflecting God, empowered to live the way God wanted him to live. Come on, why don't you stand up on your feet? I'm going to close today's service and I'm going to pray for you. You and I, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor Ben, that's okay for you. You know, you're an ACC pastor, one of those like happy, clappy Pentecostals. Now he's going to get chandeliers installed in the church so we can swing from them. Great idea. No, we're not going to do that. This is not about a label. This is not about whether you call yourself a, a Pentecostal or a Baptist or an Episcopalian or a Calathumpian, whether you call yourself a Rhodesian Red or a Queensland Queenslander. This is about whether you're a person that knows. Listen, it's a horrible thing to live the Christian life out of your own strength because you think it's the Christian life when all it is is a fake hard work. Religion you have, religion. And that type of religion does not please God. When Paul says, so you could please God, he's not saying so you could perform. It's not a standard. Here's the standard, live up to it and then you'll please God. This is what to please means. I didn't do a slide on it. The please means this. It's a carpentry term, which means they fit together. How many, how many um, woodworkers are in the room? How many people have ever had a house built or gone to a house and the carpenters have done a great job with the joins on the bench tops? Ever seen a dodgy one? Ever seen dodgy carpentry? Doesn't line up doesn't join doesn't fit functionally it may even do the job but there's just always something about it isn't there just doesn't it's it's not pleasing but when it fits it's like ah just clicks into place matches joins when Paul says I want you to walk in a manner pleasing the Lord worthy of him bear the same weight as Jesus how well if you please him please him means if you click with him if you join with him if 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 Jesus and you are like two well joined pieces of woodwork it's an amazing image isn't it just click into place see some of us we don't click with God but one of the reasons we don't click with God is because we don't open our lives to let God breathe into us and give us in theological terms clickability I pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and all understanding that belongs to the Holy Spirit so that you could live a life of equal weight to Jesus. Clicking with him, pleasing him in every way. A fruitful life bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power by his glorious might having great endurance, having great patience, giving thanks joyfully to the Father who has qualified us. Listen, you don't qualify yourself. He he qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints in the life. You don't qualify yourself, God does. We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.